Well, good morning. Welcome. We're so glad to have you all with us today. Whether you are online or in person, we just are so grateful that you took the time to be with us and worshiped. Um, if you're here in Spring Lake, why don't you go ahead and stand while we prepare to sing. And I just want to give you a few things to think about as you do. There's a verse in Isaiah 9 that says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then in Revelations, it says, On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And I just want you to take a moment and think about the fact that every single one of those names are the fullness of who Jesus is. He fulfills them all perfectly. He is the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And he is also a deeply personal savior who came to earth and who loves you deeply and truly no matter who you are, where you are. So as we begin to sing this morning, just reflect on that.
sinners that Christ came and died for us. And God, let our praises just continue to rise to you this morning, Lord. We give you our hearts today as we continue to worship you. In Jesus' name. like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware these afflictions eclipsed by glory, I realize just how beautiful you are. How great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us. Verse again. He is jealous for me. Loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions, he collects. Great. 
Church, you know this. Let's sing it out together. Take a few moments and just reflect on his love this morning. Maybe offer up a prayer of thankfulness to him if you feel comfortable enough. Your love is more 
sing it again, church. Let's sing this together. Our love is 
Jesus, you are the one that our hearts adore. We, we do pour out our affection, our devotion, our love on you, and we receive the love that you have for us. You know, not only does God want to have a relationship with us, this intimate, personal relationship, but he also cares about every one of our needs. The scriptures say that to cast our cares on him, our worries, our anxieties, our fears, our needs, because he cares for us, because he loves us. And we're going to take time to do that right now. You may have came in today with some anxiety, with needs, with something going on, maybe in your life, maybe your family, maybe a friend. And we just invite you to have a seat. It's just a way of laying our needs down before God, saying, God, I need you in the midst of this. I don't want to carry this alone. And I know that you are here for me. Some people may come and put their hand on your shoulder and just remind that you're not alone in the midst of this. So let's just seek God together and pray this morning. Father, we are so grateful for the love you so freely pour out on us, God. And we, we confess this morning, Lord, that we are not perfect, that we make mistakes. And even this week, there are places that we have probably sinned, Lord. And we just confess those before you now and say, Lord, please forgive us. We thank you that forgiveness is available. We thank you in the midst of all that is going on, God, that you love us, that you care for us. In the joy of the season and the loneliness of the season, God, that you are there. So we pray that you will truly be Emmanuel, God with us in the midst of all of our needs, where we need financial provision, where we need physical healing, where we need relationships restored, where we need victories over the things that are weighing heavily on us, God, that you are there, that you care about all these things, and we can lay them at the feet of Jesus, and knowing that he will care for us, and we just thank you for that, and we're reminded that we are just one church celebrating this week and that, all that it brings. So we lift up uh, St. Pat's and St. Anthony's this week and their leadership and their congregation, God, that they would reach the people that you have them to reach, that you would bless them and they would be a blessing to the community as well. We pray for our missionaries and churches around the world as well. We pray for Dina Horn and the next program and the interns that she's raising up, those that will be the, the next ones to go out and serve you amongst the world, God. So we pray there be great fruit in that ministry and you would be stirring young people's hearts to what you are calling them to, to serve around the world. We ask that you move in that. In all these things, God, we trust you and we pray them in Jesus' name. And it's his name that we pray and say, amen. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and be seated. 
Well, so glad that you're here. I want to welcome you to All Shores this morning. Glad that you are beginning your Sunday morning here with us and worshiping and seeking after God together. If you're with us online, so grateful that you are joining us that way as well. Hope that you are comfortable and have a warm cup of coffee, but you are also experiencing God's presence and his peace in a powerful way today. So glad that we get to gather together and do this. And we want to be able to connect with you. And the best way that we have to do that is our connection card. If you're here in the room, we have a QR code in front of you. And on the screen online, there's a a link that you can click on and you can just, a way that we can connect with you. You can put your prayer request on there. You can ask questions. You can change your address. And it's a way that we communicate back and forth and get to know you and help you walk in your faith. We also have an opportunity in person today. If you're new here today or maybe have you been coming for a couple months and just want to get to know somebody or answer some questions, we have what we call a Newcomer 9. And I'll be back in the room on your left when you walk out. There's some balloons over there. We have a gift for you. We just would love to connect with you, get to know you, and answer any questions you might have. So would love to meet you that way this morning as well. Or we're just going to continue this morning in worship uh, by receiving God's tithes and our offerings. And it's a way that we continue to worship. You know, in this season, we're reminded of God's generosity and how he gave his very best for us, how he sent his one and only son. And that's what we're celebrating this week. But we also want to give back and we want to worship by giving back just a portion of what he has given us, you know, so we can continue to do ministry, so we can be generous in our community and the world around us. And if you came prepared to give, there's ways to do that on the screen. If you want to do it online, there are giving boxes by all the doors on the way out. And we are so grateful for the generous congregation that we have, that we can be a blessing in our community. You know, this is an exciting week at All Shores. You know, this uh, Friday and Saturday, we're going to have five Christmas Eve services, and, and it's going to be really full because you guys have been inviting your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, and it's going to be a really fun celebration, but it's going to be really full too. So we want to be super guest-friendly, so just got a couple tips for you if you are with me this morning, right? So you want to come, and if you're able to, park further away. You want to come in early so we can greet people. There's going to be people that haven't been here in a long time or maybe have never been here. So we want to be make room for them. So I know everybody likes to sit in the back, but this is a week that you kind of sit down front, maybe move in a little bit because those guests want to sit in the back and they want to be a little lot more anonymous. So you can just help us be a friendly church and let God move that night in a powerful way. So, so grateful for that. There's more information now on the screen about exciting things that are happening this week. Shores, Christmas is almost here and we are so excited for all that we have coming this Christmas season. We wanted to start off the week of Christmas by recognizing that while it can be a super fun and exciting time, there's also people who find it super lonely and painful. And so with that in mind, we wanted to create a service that kind of allows space for people to sit in their pain and just feel the support of those around them and let them know that they're not alone. And so if you're someone who've experienced financial struggle, uh, marital issues, you've lost a job or lost a loved one, we wanna invite you to come to the Springlight Campus on December 21st for our Blue Christmas service. It'll be at 6.30 p.m. and it'll just be a very intentional service meant to remind people they are not alone in their pain and that we truly are together because life is messy. So we can't wait to see you there. And then following up, we have five Christmas Eve services between all of our campuses that will be perfect to fit your family's busy schedule. And so if you want information on our service times and locations, feel free to go to allshores.org for more information on that. 
but I want to challenge you guys in two ways. First, I want you to invite your Frank list to join you this Christmas. And also, if you're feeling called, Christmas is a busy time for us and it requires a lot of manpower. So if you're feeling willing, we would love to have you on our volunteer team for the Christmas Eve service. There is a table in the lobby with a bunch of treats and goodie bags and invites and you can pack a goodie bag and give it to someone on your friend list to invite them to come. And there's also on that same table a sign-up sheet that allows you to pick a service that you want to serve at and it can be as simple as greeting someone, making sure they feel welcome, or handing them their hot chocolate or coffee. Really the smallest things can have a huge impact on making a guest feel seen and appreciated. And so we're so excited for what this Christmas week is going to bring and we're praying that God will move through these services. So like I said, if you need more information on times or locations or dates, go to allshores.org for all of that information. We're so excited. Can't wait to celebrate with you guys. See you soon. Well, I want to welcome those joining us online, all of you here in our Spring Lake campus, as we are in what's called the fourth Sunday of Advent, the season that we anticipate the coming of Jesus, and about to give our final message in the series on new beginnings. <clears throat> Before we do, and I'll invite you to pray in just a minute, because we believe really that when we open the scriptures, it's about revelation, not information or persuasion, that ultimately we want God to speak to you. But I also want to ask of you in this coming week, simply to be praying with us. Praying in your own lives that God will meet you in this unique season that we celebrate his presence and his coming, but also praying that he'll meet others in this season, that we cry out regularly for him to move. And as we celebrate this blue Christmas event and then Christmas Eve, we really have a chance to enter anybody in any place where they've gone through change and sadness because change in general brings loss and grief, and grief can vary in all sorts of ways from events where people pass to illness, to loss of freedom, to loss of a job, to loss of a relationship, to even moving, that we want to give space for that. And then the same way, we celebrate new life on Christmas Eve. And I want to remind you simply in the room, we have these uh, invite cards that are a great way as you're praying for others too. And then I do want to ask you to be praying just as we, every Christmas Eve, we give the money away. We give away a third globally, a third regionally, and a third locally. And we'll put out stuff over the week to remind you of what those are. And then we also at this time of year have year-end giving. So pray that God will provide for our church and pray that God will give us generous hearts to help others and simply see how you might engage. Now as we get ready to enter this final Sunday of Advent, what we call the fourth Sunday, the, as you see the candles to my left, we light and are reminded of the coming of Christ through these four Advent Sundays. You pray in the quiet that God would speak to you, he'd lead you, he teach you. If you're in a posture today of doubt, of questioning, of even anger or pain, just tell him that. 
You pray in the quiet, and then I'll pray for us together. Lord, I thank you that you care about every single person in this room, online, everyone who will watch later at other times, that you care in all times and all places. So, Lord, I'm asking that you'd give us insight and perspective to new life, that you would reveal yourself to us in places of doubt, in places of struggle, in places of joy. I simply ask that anything I have to say that's not from you, it will fall to the ground, it will be forgotten. But I do pray anything from you, Lord, that your spirit will make it clear you're speaking and you're moving, and you'd breathe life to us in it. I join with the psalmist praying the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, amen. In case you don't know, amen just means it is true. And if you've never said it before, that's commonly we'll say, everybody said. You're, somebody's new, they're like, I don't know what everybody said. Everybody said, hello. But that's what we say is amen. Didn't want you to feel out of place. Hey, I want you to think in your own lives about the kind of movies you hate. Movies where you go, oh, if it's that kind of movie, I'm not going. Oh, those I will not stand for. I just can't do it. We all have them. We all have different things we don't like and go, yeah, not interested. Well, for me, those are movies where it's kind of one bad thing after another, you know, where they pile on each other. I hate movies like that. In fact, the pinnacle of it for me is when people in my family say, hey, let's watch Meet the Parents. Now, if you've never heard of Meet the Parents and haven't seen it, you're probably not old enough to be president. If you haven't heard it, even more likely, you probably pay more for insurance for your cars because you're that young that you don't know the movie. And I'm sorry, I couldn't think of anything more recent, but it's where my life went. So pile on with the old man here. Let me just tell you a little about the movie. I figure it's 22 years old, so if you didn't see it, it's not on me that you still need to get a chance. I don't care, and I already told you it was bad, so I'll just leave it at that. So there's this character, Greg, and he's got a girlfriend. He's going to meet her parents, as the title says, meet the parents. He's getting ready to ask her to marry him. And when he gets to their place, he begins to discover that her father is not exactly excited about him at all and is watching everything he does. In fact, he worked for the government in a very undercover manner and wants to bring that to good old Greg and watch everything he's doing and make the most of it. On top of it, the young woman's ex-boyfriend lives near the family and is kind of the perfect man, and the dad is still friends with him, and he keeps showing up the movie. And what follows is kind of one travesty after another for poor Greg. Everything from grandma's uh, ashes on the mantle getting knocked over and destroyed and the cat urinating on them to, I won't even tell you what else. But it's miserable. Are you, any of you sweating with me already? Just a few of you that have that kind of anxiety. We'll start a group later. So it's interesting because you go, well, I don't know that that even happens. But I think kind of within us, we can often have a propensity to see life this way and many of us to experience it. I'm, I'm surprised and then I discover, boy, a lot of us kind of feel like it's one thing after another. And in fact, we often feel unseen, unheard, unnoticed, and even more that life is against us. And make no mistake, it starts in childhood. I mean, our kids, we start in school, and it can happen in the classroom. It can happen in the lunchroom. It can happen at recess. And now for young kids, it happens online, moment after moment, where we get the message, man, you're really not noticeable. You're really not enough, and we're really not interested in you. 
you are less than. And that moves into friendships. We work so hard to hope that people will like us, approve of us, think well of us. And often, for most of us, it's just not enough. It can happen in our families. We didn't achieve enough. We didn't do enough. And even if we do enough, we do enough for the moment, but we better do enough and more after that moment. We all can feel unseen, unnoticed, insignificant, and even barely getting by. It happens in our neighborhoods. It happens in our workplaces. We can live life, many of us, this way. And I'm always amazed that though we can show a good life and even put it on our places of public notice, we have highlight reels we put everywhere, don't we? That life itself often feels overwhelming, overloading, like we'll never quite be there. Big events happen, and we, see them on, we can see them on a screen, but very rarely are we invited to them, and very few of us have enough money to buy our way into them. We're just not that significant or important. Now, I start us there to consider where all of us may struggle, because we all do, and say we've been in this series about new beginnings and new life. And we're going to look today into some characters that would all be living this way. In fact, that's really the story of Israel, but in particular, the people that will surround the birth of Jesus. Now, before I get into it, let me add to the pot a little bit, because I want to give you a context. We're going to look at Luke's account. There are four accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Luke pays probably the most attention to the very birth and the surrounding issues of his birth. The chapter we're looking at, chapter 2 in Luke, he begins by stating just a statement about what's going on in Rome. He says, basically, Augustus Caesar, who's the Roman emperor, and Quirinius, who's the governor, decide to do a census. They're taking a poll of who's in the, the Roman world. I want to back up for a minute, and we know from extra-biblical sources just how significant Caesar Augustus' life and rule was. You see, at the time that he was rising to power, the time he was the son of one who had been in power, many others were fighting for that power as well. And Augustus took them out through might and bloodshed and fighting, one person after another, trying to gain the kingdom of Rome. He killed them and took them out. Till the last one, Mark Antony, actually removed his own life knowing he wouldn't win anyway and feeling hopeless. Now, so what happens is when he says, Luke says, hey, there's this census going on, you need to understand a few things. One is that for them to do a census was a way for Rome to get a better beat on who was Roman and who wasn't, who they could get more from and who they could give less to, who they could oppress more and who they could have power over more. So it's also a power statement. But I want to take you to one more thing that we know from history that informs a little bit of the story in this passage. You see, Augustus was considered to be a savior. That's what they called him when he took over and began to give peace to Rome. There's all sorts of different documents, different places that said Pax Augusta. It was a statement of the peace of Augustus. The idea that Augustus himself would bring peace, but he would bring it through might, through owning, through dominating, through delegating, and through power. And so they knew the peace of Rome, this savior that would come, Augustus, would bring, it says literally, joy to the world, and peace to all of Rome. He would be their savior, they were told. Now, what I want you to realize for Israel, though, was all that means is he will dominate more and more. But know this is a backdrop. And now we're going to take it into Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And we're going to see the final set of people that we see that follow the birth of Christ. It's just happened in Luke's account. But now he's going to take us to another 
group of individuals. Here it says in Luke 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were freaked out, terrified, frightened beyond measure. Now, we understand that anytime someone sees angels like this, it's frightening, but I want you to understand this is even deeper than that. You're a shepherd. In case you don't know, shepherds are the lowest of the people, basically, in, in what kind of any kind of vocational life. They lived out in the fields. They didn't even really have homes, many of them. They lived out with the sheep. So they're the lowest of the low. They've just been told there's a census being taken, which means Augustus is putting the screws tighter on everybody and going to make it harder on them. So they feel more hopeless than they've ever felt in their lives. And an angel shows up. So if you're feeling beaten down and more and more is coming, and every time is another problem and another problem and another problem, they are living Greg's life, basically, in that movie I mentioned earlier. Everything's bad and it's gone from bad to worse. If an angel shows up, you pumped or you freaked out? The answer's freaked out. I think the answer's freaked out, Pete. I'm going to say freaked out. Yeah, I'm going to say that would be really tough. I mean, I just think they'd be thinking another problem's coming. I know you were all thinking it. I just thought I'd help you get there because you're just so quiet and kind and barely awake. No, I'm West Michigan awake. I'm going to keep making West Michigan jokes so you people talk more. I just want you to know that. That's okay. We can be quiet our whole lives. We'll talk about it later when we're not with you. That's what we do. Okay, did I get snarky enough for you? All right, we're back to the story. So what I want you to get is, if, imagine if they see an angel. We already know it's going to freak them out. But how much more would you be thinking, oh, great. I already thought life was horrible. Here comes the angel to just finish the job. Can you understand that's got to be what they're thinking? This is a mess. Life was bad. It went from bad to worse. Oh, God finally showed up. He's not showed up to go, I'm so happy for you. He showed up to go, you're going. I mean, that's what I would think, right? That's how we think. Oh, here comes another big problem. Now, I love the angel's response in the midst of their mess. But before I get there, I just want you to consider this beautiful picture of shepherds. What does that mean for us? What might God be telling us and doing as they're living in the fields? What might he be saying? It's interesting. I want you to take another picture of this, which is a story that's from Israel's history. It's a man named David. David was a young boy, the last of all these boys that a man named Jesse had. A prophet comes to Jesse's house and says, one of your boys is to be king. And basically, they go one by one through each of the boys, and the prophet goes, nope, 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 nope. And the only inkling he gets from the Lord is, I'm going to look at the heart, not the person. And he gets through all the kids, and Jesse doesn't say anything more. He says, do you have any more kids? He goes, I do have one more. He's out in the fields. He's a shepherd. In other words, he's not worth checking on. And that's the one God picks. Now, if we don't go any further, where in life might you feel like God doesn't notice you or see you or know you? Do you live in the circumstances you are where you just haven't quite measured up the way you thought you would. You don't have the popularity, the power, the success you thought would bring you life and hope. You're just quite, not quite enough. In the same way, God goes to shepherds. He comes to us today to go, I see you. I notice you. And it's not about being enough at all. God is not impressed with the things we do to try to be enough. He's not impressed with the power or the prestige or all of these pieces that might come or we hope come that give us a platform or a place. 
Listen to what the angel says to these in the midst of their fear. The angel said to them, hey, don't be afraid. Cool it down. It's good. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. By the way, those are the words that are used to describe Augustus that I gave you earlier. There would be good news of great joy because for them in the town of David, a savior has been born. The claim in the Roman world is Augustus is the savior. And the angel saying, no, no, this one is the Messiah. This one who's born in Bethlehem is to be the Messiah. This is where hope comes from. I mean, I want you just to consider this for a minute. God is about to bring his son to the earth and announce the most triumphal change in history of a new king, a new kingdom, a new way. Who would you invite to the most significant event in history? Wouldn't you think it would be people of high authority and high power and high persuasion and high influence? I mean, you and I know we don't get invited to big events, do we? If you do, see me later. I'd just like to hear about them, but we get to watch them. And yet the most transformational moment in history, who does the Lord invite to be part of it? Shepherds. Unseen, unknown, unqualified. Does that not give you hope? Do you not realize that God sees every one of us, every one of you, and he doesn't see you and you're trying to be enough. He doesn't see you in the things you've accomplished. He sees you in your vulnerability and your brokenness in all the ways you and I think, I just haven't done enough, been enough, looked good enough to be one God would want to be there. And he picks nobodies of the lowest caste to say, listen, something's coming. I want you to know about it. Tell me that's not amazing and cool. That is amazing and cool. I can't believe it. Wow. I just, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think my day's going to change from all this my whole life. Just thought, that's what I thought you were saying. Good. All right, we'll continue. This is what he says. This will be a sign to you. You're going to find a baby. They're going to be wrapped in clothes. They're going to lie in a manger. You're going to see a sign that's going to point to you What's going to happen? You're going to see something different like you've never seen before. And I love this because the contrast between Augustus and Jesus is profound. How's he going to save the world? He's going to save it through his might and his power, through his domination and his dominion, through taking over and running down and making sure he's at the in charge and running it all. How's Jesus come? Vulnerable baby in poverty just off the beaten path. One of the things we looked at in all of this series was every character seemed insignificant and unable to be important. First week, we looked at Zechariah and Elizabeth. Beyond their years, never able to have a child. Beyond their years, serving in the temple, but never seeing any change or doing anything. And yet God reveals who Jesus is in coming through a son they're going to have that makes no sense and says, you think you're insignificant? You think it's too late? Not for me. That's where I'm moving. Then he picks a couple, a young couple in deep poverty, though with the right bloodline, with nothing to show for it, and says, I'm going to put the Savior. That's where he's going to be. He's going to come through you. And then last week we looked at the very city of Bethlehem, which is a small city of little significance off the beaten path that's where the Savior is going to be born, in a place you'd never expect, in a way you'd never expect. And now he picks shepherds, the lowest of the low, and says, hey, I want you to be the ones that get to see part of this. Go look for the baby. Here's the sign. It's in the manger. But the manger isn't the sign. The baby in the manger is the sign. And by the way, he says, he tells this three times. He says it again and again. Look for the baby in the manger. Look for the baby in the manger. Look for the baby in the manger. 
The manger is not who it is. The manger points to who it is. The manger gives place for the baby to be born. Look for the baby. Now, if you're an angel and you're telling them to go into the city, how are they going to know where to go? Go find the baby. He's a savior. There's going to be a lot of homes, right? But you give the new clue. Hey, guess what? Look for a manger. Look for the stable underneath the house where the animals are. You're going to see a baby there. I just love that. All the manger is is a pointing. I mean, they didn't have GPS. You didn't have somebody, listen, here's the path. I'll send it to you on your phone. He said, this is how you're going to know. You look for a baby in a manger. You look someplace you wouldn't look in a place you wouldn't expect. That's where the Savior is going to be. Isn't that cool? I just love that, the way it's given. He didn't even need to have a map or directions. Just look for a baby. And then to underscore it, this is so fun to me. It's an angel by himself. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with them, with the angel, and they were praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, I think it's really easy to minimize this. But for me, what this is, is this is like a holy soundtrack. You know, in movies, all of a sudden you get to the big part and something builds and there's this amazing chorus or cacophony of sound. You're just like, I feel it just from the artificialness of the music. This is not artificial. <laughs> this is literally, hey, let's take the angels and just put a group of them down there with these people with the, with the one speaking. Let's give a little chorus to let them know what's really going on. So they are basically getting a soundtrack of angels singing in a way they probably never heard hearing words that are incredibly powerful and profound. In other words, in that moment, the shepherds experience heaven coming to earth and touching earth. And it's overwhelming. <laughs> Tell your faces it's awesome because it's awesome, okay? <laughs> I don't want to look like it's fun. I'm tired. I mean, I, I, sometimes I wish I could just get a window of it. I mean, I got to feel like, would the hair on the back of your neck not stand up? Would you not be overwhelmed to go, okay, this wasn't some nice little... CGI thing people brought, or it was done artificially. Heaven got opened up and we saw it, and the angels sang in ways that made our bodies go, okay, this is otherworldly. Something's changing inside of me. Is that not amazing and awesome? And who does God pick? He picks unseen, unnoticed, insignificant, unworthy people. Man, isn't that incredibly hopeful for you? Because it is for me. And I don't even believe that some people are worth more than others. I just believe we're all living in that place. And those who struggle more often are more aware of it. God says, I want to show to you something nobody has seen before. I'm picking shepherds to be the ones that get to see it first. Whew. I just love that this is how it goes. Story continues. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. <laughs> I always read this. Do you ever read this and you think they're like dignified Brits? I read it as unemotional dignified Brits. The angel hath left. Oh, let us go together to Bethlehem. Let us see what has happened. Let's go in a dignified, non-emotional, kind of controlled way. It's interesting. Let's go see. That is not how they said it. What do you think you'd sound like if you just saw heaven meet earth and the whole world got changed for you? Thank you. I love it. It only, wow. I mean, I'd be overwhelmed. Dude, we gotta go. Let's run. I think we would run in ways we'd never run before. I think there'd be people in physical therapy after this. 
They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying together. If one of those, one of those shepherds was getting a little older, no, no question they'd pull something. There'd be ankle sprains, there'd be all sorts of other problems, and they wouldn't care. They wouldn't even notice till the next day, which, by the way, is what happens to most of us, because they just ran. They couldn't contain themselves. We have got to go see the baby lying in the manger. I just wonder what that was like for them. I wonder what that was like for them to suddenly see. And by the way, when they get to the manger, there's no soundtrack. There's no angelic background. There's no dramatic music driving. You know what there is? Yeah, there's probably some sheep. Boy, I got new sounds I've never had before. I like this. There are sheep. Well done. (laughs) Farm animals, feel free to keep going while I'm here. It's all good. What I want you to understand is heaven didn't need to have a demonstration then. What they had was they looked and they saw a baby in a manger. And what I'm telling you is they had a personal encounter with who Jesus is. And, and I want to I tell you this as a, a friend, a pastor, a brother. I, I meet with a lot of you. I meet with a lot of people that don't go to church. I meet with people with all sorts of variety of where they are in faith explanation or, or discussion or engagement. I meet lots of people who've been in church for decades, who've grown up there. But at the end of the day, Jesus is a nice principle they've never really encountered. They've never really discovered who he is. I meet people outside the church who are saying, I'd like to know who he is. I don't believe he'd show up. And this, it doesn't matter if you've never heard or you've been listening for years and not discovered I believe this to the core of my being, and I've walked with lots of people to discover it. It's my favorite prayer I pray for people. Jesus, show them you're real. And that's the thing. The same way he showed a bunch of shepherds that it was true, he doesn't look and go, as long as you do this and as long as you've done enough and as long as, he goes, I will show you when you feel unnoticed, unseen, not enough, insignificant. That's where I reveal myself. And here's what I think. I think the shepherds, just being there and watching was the moment of revelation for them. It's real. He's real. And see, what I think is every believer is meant to have that. Every one of us, God intends to reveal who he is, not through someone else, not because they've had it and you walk alongside, but in your own life. And I have no idea how I'll do it, but I pray and I watch and I celebrate every time. And just know again, man, stand on, the, stand on my shoulders because I got every faith to believe he wants it for every one of you, wherever you are in this journey. He wants your faith to be personal. He wants you to discover that baby in that manger in your life now. We're going to come back to that. I love their response. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what he had told them about this child. They told him what they heard. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And then they talk about Mary as kind of a side note, but also an image for us. She's always treasuring these things in her heart and pondering them. Basically, Mary becomes this person that all the things that happen, she always pays attention and it stays with her. Which, by the way, is something for us to do. But what I want you to notice most is these shepherds have to go tell other people because they can't contain what they've discovered. And in case you don't know, it says everyone was amazed. See, what it was was the truth of their testimony, the truth of what had happened, people didn't argue with because they saw it in them. 
and they saw it on them. So don't you dare tell yourself no one would pay attention from your story or your journey because it is not true. The earliest ones who were the most effective at sharing Jesus were people that were most discarded and most refuted, and it didn't matter. Tell me that's not awesome. You don't think you have a role to play in the life of the church or the life God has? You are dead wrong. Because the first people he shared it with were the people unseen, unnoticed, forgotten, and unworthy, and they all were wrong. Because Jesus didn't look at them way. He just said, you're loved and you're mine. And I have a destiny for you that you're thinking more of yourself will not get in the way of because of how broken you are and how ready you are. I love that they just went. They had to go tell, and people were amazed. They were amazed not by who they were, not even by what they saw, but they could see on them what Jesus was doing. (laughs) Something changed when they saw heaven meet earth. And it led them to Jesus. And something changes in us when we discover who he is. We discover how much he loves us, that he meets us in our own sin, in our own mess. That being a savior means he lives to live our life, to live our death through our sin that reveals and gives his forgiveness and then bring new life to us out of it. In other words, to take people that are broken, forgotten, forsaken, unworthy, and not only forgive us, but breathe new life into us. Tell me that's not unbelievably awesome. The danger in this is we end up looking for a highlight real moment. And then we look for another moment, and then another moment, and then another moment. And see, I believe the significance was seeing him in the manger, not the angelic part, though I think it's beautiful. I want you to hear how this ends. The shepherds returned. They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. But it's this first phrase I want you to see. They returned. Do you know where they returned to? They returned to the fields. They returned to where they lived life day after day after day. You see, Jesus revealed himself, and then they returned. They were back deployed where they lived day after day after day, after day. And this is my, not just my speculation, my strong belief, is God moved in their day after day after day life. In other words, the powerful revelation was played out in daily life. It's an interesting thing in Luke's account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. He uses this word returned multiple times, and you can trace through them, and almost all of them have the same thread. There's a few that have to do with things of living, but primarily, and I'll just give you one example, it's about what happens after the powerful moment. There's a moment where this guy is filled with all these demons in this one area, the Gerasene area. And the person has an encounter with Jesus, with the demons in them. And Jesus asks a name, and they say, we are a legion, meaning there's tons of us, there's over a thousand of us. And then the demons say, is this the time you're supposed to torment us? Could you instead send us into these pigs And Jesus sends the demons to the pigs. They go in the pigs, and basically the pigs run into the water and drown. But the person freed from those demons now has new life. And guess what the person says? I want to go with you, Jesus, other places. You know what Jesus tells them? Return home. Return home. 
live the new life out day after day after day here in this place with real people in real life and let that day after day after day living be what transforms the world. It's not the highlight reel. It's day-to-day life that will change and you will change through. Somehow for me, that is so much more powerful and sacred than wishing to build one big moment after another big moment after another big moment. Because guess what big moments do? They just make you kind of hungry for more big moments. Not hungry for the God behind them. And I love that they returned to where they were, glorifying and praising God. Worship came out of them because of what had happened through them, but they continue to see it and live it, and it changes who they are. In other words, Jesus brings new life for daily life. That's what I want you to get today is Jesus brings new life for your day-to-day life. He not only wants to reveal who he is, he wants to change how you live and have you return to day-to-day life, living and loving differently. I want to give you just a picture of this, even from our own church, because a few weeks ago we baptized 19 people. And I want you to understand that every time someone's life changes, it's a moment of sacredness that they're celebrating. Jesus revealed who he is to me. But it's how they live out of it that matters. Let's just take a look and celebrate again what God did a few weeks ago. Take a look at the screen. Holy Spirit, would you speak now to each person? Lord, whether that is through a thought or a picture or a sense to respond in obedience or an invitation to respond to you, would you just speak? Some of you have never made the decision to follow Jesus. You've never responded to this very reality that he came, he lived, he died, he rose again. That he meets you in the depth of your sin, in the waters of sin. Knowing that today, if you're going, I think this is true, just ask Jesus to be with you in your sin and forgive you. Because his death brings forgiveness. So ask for it. God, would you forgive me for the mess I've gotten and the mess I've done and the sin I've committed? And then for any of you who do that, Holy Spirit, would you fill them fresh and begin to bring new life and new seed of that out of them? as well. We will become people that bring and witness baptism to others and offer hope and life in the depth of their struggle. I ask this in your name and in your power. loved uh, the opportunity for those I got to baptize and each other's other did too where you just, you get to sit there with somebody and go listen, what God did in your life is a seed that you carry with you day after day after day. The very forgiveness, the very moment 
of revelation is to be a moment we live into and bring to others. We might say it this way. We carry it in our words and in our actions. You see, Jesus brings new life for daily life, and we carry it in our words and actions. You want to know what this looks like? It looks like someone who in the midst of their discovering Jesus goes back into their friendships at school, back into the relationships around their neighborhood, and begins to ask, how can I live differently, speak differently, and love differently? You know, one of the crazy things we have sometimes, it happens actually fairly often, we'll have kids come to faith and teenagers come to faith, and oftentimes the change in their lives informs and transforms their parents. You know why? Because as a parent, when you see a kid acting in a way they didn't, and it's crazy and cool and amazing, you go, that must be real because kid, my kid couldn't fake that. Amen? Amen? And it changes a family. I think of people who live with a spouse that's not loving or knowing Jesus, and the spouse has even been hostile to this, and they may not live weeks that way. They may live months and years and decades, but there is no way the person in that house is not informed and transformed by seeing a life that they can't make sense of day after day after day. In any phase of life, in our singleness and how we live towards others, a transformed life in each day and each relationship is what will change the world. God wants to reveal himself to you and then he wants you to return to the life you have and increasingly discover how much he loves you, lives in you, and wants to transform you in the world around you through daily life. That is so much better of a new life than looking for a highlight reel, isn't it? Because guess what? Highlight reels are few and far between. They're unsustainable. And quite honestly, sometimes I think we get more into the highlight than we do with the person behind it. And I am convinced God is a God of quiet, broken day-to-day life that he meets us in over a God who wants to do this big event to suddenly fix everything for us. I hope, and I want to pray for us with this, you can both discover who he is and learn how to carry that into your life day after day after day. Let me pray and invite you to even respond as we do. So Lord, I'm asking that you'd speak to us today. As I said at the beginning, I know it's not anything I can persuade or inform, but you need to bring revelation. So I pray especially for any among us that have said, I've never heard from you. I don't really know if you're here. I have questions and doubts. Lord, I don't know how you want to do it, but would you reveal yourself to them? And Lord, if they're, they're just using it as an excuse, I don't want to have to deal with this, help them to open up. Honestly, do you want to know me or not? For those that are just aching and hungering, would you help us to come around and pray that you'll reveal yourself to them too. And then God, for others of us who've kind of forgotten how you meet us and we've distanced ourselves from it, it's a faint memory, would you reawaken us (laughs) to your love and presence in our unworthiness, our brokenness, our mess? And would you begin to transform us in day-to-day life? God, let us see where you call us to return to, not as a place along the way to trying to have more and be more, but the very place you've chosen for us to be yours. God, whether it would be in fields or in schools or in neighborhoods or in workplaces or in events or in friendships, God, whatever it is, would you help us to be yours everywhere we go and are? 
God, to know when and how to love like you, when and how to share who you are, when and how just to be present with others. I'm asking for new life for each of us in this season. And a new life, God, a new life that is daily lived out. That's what I'm praying for us. I pray that in your name and in your power. Amen. Now, we don't want the message to be over just by saying amen. We try to give space for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do and linger. So we're going to worship just a little bit together. We'll celebrate communion. All aspects where God meets us. And you just continue to be open. God, what do you want to say to me today? So let me invite you to stand. These guys behind me will lead us, and then we'll celebrate communion as well. Let me invite you to be seated just for a few minutes. We want to celebrate communion the same way that God reveals himself as we worship. He reveals himself in this wonderful sacred activity we call communion. We have no rules or stipulations to participate in the sense that you have to be a member here. We just want you to be pursuing Jesus. If you didn't get a, a little cup that has the bread and the drink in it, this time you can. We do this every time we're together. But we believe God can show us who he is in the midst of this sacred activity that we do. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He took a bread that would have been 
made in the very time of Passover, a bread that was made in haste, a bread that was made without leaven, without what was known as the sin of pride that puffs up in the flatness and humility Jesus lived in brokenness and surrender and sacrifice. He lived a perfect life. He took the bread, he broke it, he gave thanks. He said, this is my body given for you and we receive him as we take. In the same way, he took the cup. He said, it's a new testament. It's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. It is a way we see and look at him for who he is. He reveals himself. Let's take of the cup. You know, I love that these shepherds could not help but worship after they encountered it, encountered the presence of Jesus. And I know sometimes we do these things out of obligation. But you know, the more we discover, the more we know, the more we want to respond in recognizing who he is and responding in worship to him. Let's stand together and close out our time worshiping the wonderful Savior who come to us of giving sacrifice to him. I want to give you a blessing before you go. I want to give you a few instructions as we head into the week. Please be praying. Pray for your own life that Jesus would be fresh and revealed to you. Pray as we both give place for grief and pain and sadness 
on Wednesday and then through the weekend with Christmas Eve services, a place where we discover new life. And then just so you know, on Christmas morning, we'll have a, a stream of a service that you'll be able to watch from home for you as well. And the following Sunday, we gather here in one service on the first at 10 o'clock, all campuses together. I want you to be praying both in your own life and for others. And I want you to be walking this week just asking God to show you people that are unseen and unknown and feel unworthy. And just ask, how might you in some way reach out and be loving to them? Maybe place your hands out now. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with the Spirit. May the revelation of Jesus bring new life to you that's lived out day after day after day for his glory, for your joy, and for the new life of others. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.